Hello, my name is Cynthia, and welcome to the latest episode of Getting Your Together, a podcast where we discuss what it's like to get it all the way together, or at least attempt to, one day at a time. Hey y'all, this is Cynthia. Today's episode may be a little bit longer than most. I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet though. So hopefully not by much if it is. But today's topic is going to be around 10 things that I've learned during my 10 months of sobriety. So I celebrated 10 months officially on November 1st. I am a January 1st. I'm going to stop drinking person. I'm one of those. But 10 months in, I'm still here, still sober. So I thought that I would talk about it. I didn't want to wait until the end of the year. I'm not sure why. Just weird that way, I guess. But 10 is a nice even number. So I said, what the hell? Let's do 10. Five and five, right? Or eight and two. Two and eight? Okay. I'm being ridiculous. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about 10 things that I've learned. And these are just some of the bigger ones. I've been learning a lot. I feel like I've just been a student of life, of hard knocks and of surprisingly, I don't know what the word would be, optimism, I guess. There's been a lot that has occurred, but let's dive into it, shall we? So number one, the first thing that I learned, I would say that as funny as it sounds, that stopping drinking is really the easy part. I know a lot of people who are stopping addiction or any type of anything that they have an addiction to, they think, well, it's just going to be hard to stop. Like I'm going to miss it and I'm going to detox and all that. I'm not saying that shit doesn't happen because it does. Your body is used to a certain thing. It wants a certain thing. We are all part of a society that wants things now, 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 and they don't want to wait. I subscribe to that too. So I thought the stopping the drinking was going to be hard to do. And the first month or so, I, it was rough just because I was so used to it. I was so used to my patterns and my hobbies and things. So it was rough. But in the grand con, like the grand scheme of things, stopping drinking was easy. Everything else that came after it challenged me more than the fact that I put down the sauce, which was very surprising. And, but also with that, I had a lot of hard things that happened and a lot of challenges, but I also had a lot of success. And I don't think I would have had that if I was still drinking because I would have just been drinking. (laughs) Two, I read about this after I stopped drinking actually, but there, once you're over a detox, you typically run into this very optimistic, la la la, life is great phase. And it's called like the pink cloud of sobriety, which I didn't know that was a thing. And it sounds she, she and all of it, but it's actually, I can speak to it. It did happen to me. I think after my first month, I was hitting the gym, I was eating right, I was sleeping better than I probably had been up until that point. And yeah, I was like in great spirits. You could have said, we're going to have an earthquake and a, and a tsunami and fire. Like fire is just going to just burst out like randomly. And you don't know, like more than half the population is going to die in New York. And I would just be like, great. Well, you know... When it's your time, it's your time. You know, that type of thing. And 
there was nothing I felt like I couldn't do. My life is just getting better from there. And it was an awesome feeling. It was an awesome feeling. I would say it was an awesome high. So that's probably why I liked it. And it lasts for a while. But, you know, you don't stay there. And then once you come crashing out of that, that's when a lot of, I think, the challenges and the healing and all that work kind of kicks in for you. For me, I think I, I was in there for about like two or three months. And then I fell out. And then it got real. But, you know, I came out on the other side of it. And it kind of goes into my third one, which is feelings will come back when you least expect it. As humans and as people that are probably not sociopaths, you feel, we all feel. So I always thought, like, you know, I had some element of feeling. You know, I could tell when I was hurt or sad, anger and stuff like that. But, you know, as I've been sober, there's a plethora of emotions and feelings out there. So many didn't realize it at all. And I thought even while I was drinking that I was still feeling like I was still participating in my feelings and owning my feelings and stuff like that. Granted, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to talk about them, but I thought I was processing them and they were still part of me being Cynthia, right? Which was total bullshit because once I guess it kind of when I came out the pink cloud of sobriety, I was kind of shoved out just by a certain, a lot of things that were happening, like stuff with my former friend. I talked about it in an earlier podcasts. I'll probably link it. My dad, work. There was like so many things that happened and everything kind of combined, overwhelmed. And I just, everything came rushing back. Like everything. Things I couldn't even articulate. Like anger, disappointment, scared, fear, anxiety. Like I could happiness trepidation like (laughs) i could just like list off so many things and it was so overwhelming like you know crying and and the all the crying and i'm not a big crier and i don't really i don't mind other people crying but i never liked me crying i think a lot of people are like that so it was all very new and not being able to really articulate it and being afraid of it, you know, because you just don't feel like you or this person of you or your idea of you. You don't feel like it. So all that happened. was not expecting it. You know, still had to work and function as much as I could. And thankfully I did. But yeah, that happens, you know, but it's not something to be afraid of. It's just something that you have to work through. And it's all part of your healing. And it's we all have our time. Uh, number four, you will need support. Uh, if you feel supported, you will need more than that. And that's not a bad thing. I have two really, two, I would say two, three, two to three really good friends that I can probably, depending on what it is, I feel like there's probably two that I can tell anything to with no holds barred. Third one, we're getting there, I guess. But even with, and they all know, they all knew that I wasn't drinking and I feel supported and loved and seen and appreciated through their friendship. Um, they're more like sisters, I would say to me. But even with that, you know, I, they couldn't be there for me in the way that I wanted to or what I needed. And I probably wouldn't have been able to tell them what I wanted or what I needed because I was learning all that stuff as I was experiencing everything. And I had to learn to be okay with that, being okay with saying, I need help. I need support. And that was hard. I don't think I've ever said that before to anyone. I humbled myself, too. And I think that's probably why I went into AA. 
and I tried it because I just needed that support from people that understood and I was trying to get better and that's something that my friends couldn't provide and there's no shade to them they just couldn't provide it and there's nothing wrong with needing extra help you know that's why it's there number five triggers can hit you at any time and anywhere this is so much facts you have no idea you do not understand like a lot of people that have different thing different kinds of addictions certain things can set you off that you just may not be aware of like for me i can go to a bar and not be particularly bothered you know because i did a lot of my drinking solo at home but you know you just never know what's going to set you off because you're just not you you're used to just going through your life on autopilot so now being present you know you're aware of everything and I have been triggered from people, places, and things. <laughs> it's all, and so, and like the first time it happens, you're like, what is this? You know, why am I so anxious? Why am I so like on edge? Why can't I articulate what I'm thinking or feeling? Like, why? Um, and it's because you, something happened that made recall you, and you're recalling a memory or a situation. And I would like to tell you, just don't blame yourself for it. It's part of the process. And this is what you have to go through. And what you need is support. So you have friends that will support you. Great. If not, find that support you need. And if you're around people that make you feel shitty about it, then you need to cut them out because that's no way to navigate such a sensitive time. But yeah, I got triggered. I got triggered out with a former friend. I got triggered where else did I get triggered? Oh my goodness. I can't even recall at my home. Like I could stay at home by myself for a long time because the quiet just drove me crazy. Still kind of does sometimes, but I'm better at it now. Couldn't sit at home and watch TV by myself. Things like that. It's all progress. Um, number six, honesty was a game changer for me. Heck, discovering I had values was like a huge thing for me. I thought I did. And I thought the idea of values and ethics and all that happened to me, like, that was all nice and cool, but I never really applied them to my life so much because I thought, well, humans mess up. That's what we do. We're flawed. And that's true. We are flawed. But, you know, certain things do matter and there's nothing wrong with having things that matter to you when it comes to how you want to show up in the world and how others you would ideally like others to show up for you, but you can't control how other people show up for you. So don't even try people. But honesty is huge. Like I didn't realize how much I loved it and how much I kind of abide by it as much as I possibly can because it just makes use, makes things so much easier. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to remember. It's just like, this is just where it is. But I'm also really kind. And I didn't really think that was something that mattered to me too. Just a lot of kindness because I think I just grew up around a lot of harsh people that were just intentionally harsh and blunt and cold to me. So honesty and kindness kind of go hand in hand for me anyway. Awesome. Love it. And that goes into number seven, which are boundaries are a thing for me now. And also not everyone will like them. That's something that I had to learn um, when you throw up boundaries. I've had them throw up on me and I responded in a appropriate way. I would like to think if not, feel free to always call me out on the people that know me. I'm always learning, but I also had to learn to put up boundaries with people and it's scary and it's not fun sometimes because you're just not used to it and not everyone will react to it nicely. Like I have a thing about time. 
Like I don't like to feel like my time is wasted. I, I work a lot and then I have things I want to do outside of work. So if I make time or say, Hey, we're going to do this at this time, then I will be there. If not early, then they're at least on time. Or if I'm late, I will let you know. Like I'm just really, cause I don't want to feel like your time is wasted. I don't want to feel like my time is wasted. And I remember I've had like two people in my life that are kind of funky about being on time for things. And I had to get up on both of them about it because I'm like, yo, I'm just really funny about time. And it's like, you know, that's one thing there that is that you should know about me because I just don't feel like, you know, we don't have a lot of it. And I'd rather be doing something that I enjoy, which is, you know, of course, spending time with you. But if that isn't the case, then I'll go off and do something else. That's fine. That's legit. You know, no shade, no trying to make you feel guilty. My one friend, she took it so lovely. She was like, totally understand. I didn't mean to, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. I'll let you know. I will cancel like ahead of time if I have to. Um, and then even one time I was really upset and she wanted to reschedule, but she's like, you're really upset. I'm going to still meet you anyway, even if it's just for a little while, you know, that's the type of thing. But she understands, you know, and she reacted really nicely towards my boundary. And then my former friend, um, I threw it up on him and he had a, it was, and I think it was a combination of that and some other things too, didn't react the same way. And I think it's just realizing that certain people, you react to things based on your level of awareness and where you are in your life. And that has nothing to do with the other person. But I think you just have to learn to be okay with the fact that Boundaries are there for you to feel protected and safe. And however someone reacts to them is not a reflection of you and your, and that your boundary is wrong. It's just that they just cannot meet you there and they can only operate from their um, viewpoint or vantage point of their reality. So you kind of have to just detach from it, but always do what you need to do in order to feel um, supported and safe. Number eight, you will lose people, um, or I should say, people will lose you. And that's something that you just have to come to terms with and grips with. And this is probably a really hard one for me because I never want to feel like I'm giving up on someone. I never want to feel like someone doesn't feel supported or needed or not needed, but or wanted and things like that. But the truth is, you know, that's me looking at it. They may have a totally different viewpoint and I have to accept it. And also, once you give up something that took over so much of your life, your priorities and your what you expect changes. And what you want to surround yourself with and the types of people that you want to surround yourself with will probably change. And it may not be people that were in your life prior to. And that sucks. You know, um, especially if you really vibed with them or so you thought and and things like that. I had to cut out a lot of people, cancel a lot of people this year. And I didn't want to do that. And then also the people that I didn't cancel and they're still in my life, I had to kind of drastically shift how they could be in my life. You know, and I didn't necessarily have a conversation with it. I don't think because we were more like acquaintances anyway, but like my friends, friends that I had to do shifting around, like, you know, I did have a conversation because I didn't just want to ghost because I don't really believe in that, but it was hard and it's hard, but you need to really surround people that are about 
that will support your healing, that will support you, and you can support them. And it's a really healthy, growth-infused dynamic. And, and then some people just may not be there as much as they may want to give it to you, or maybe they don't want to give it to you, but they just can't. You know, they just don't know how, or they don't want to. You just kind of have to be cool with that. Number nine, you will feel like you're boring because you're used to being in a chaotic, numb, inspired mess. So I touched on this on another episode about like my FOMO. I never had FOMO before. I was kind of cool with just being to myself. But now I don't mind being to myself, but it's just I, in fact, I kind of relish in it now it's just so I can think and focus on things. But you, I do, I still struggle sometimes with the fact that I feel like I'm boring. I'm not as exciting as I used to be because I thought, and it's weird because maybe it's like societal pressure and how advertising, even though I work in advertising, so I should be hit to the game, but I digress. How it kind of makes you think that, you know, you're missing out if you're not drinking or you're not drunk or like you go to house parties and and everyone's having a good time and you're still there or you go out to the to a lounge or to a bar or to a club people are dancing you feel like I don't know how to move my body without drinking or without something to takes me out of myself enough to relax and you feel like I need a drink to relax and and I'm not as funny or I'm not as sexy if I'm not like relaxed from drinking it's like that type of thing so in some ways I still do feel like just I'm just not as exciting and I think I said that to a couple people and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> do you realize like all the stuff that you do? <laughs> like, and some of the stuff are like, I don't even know how you found out about it or want to do it. <laughs> but You're doing it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but why do I feel like I'm not? But that's like you, like that's my shit because I'm so conditioned to think in order to have fun and to relax that I need to be buzzed or drunk or on something. That's something that I really discovered about myself, like how, how that all kind of manifested. Cause I just, you, you're wrapped up in the game and you don't even realize it until you stop and you're just like, what? Like really, how does this define my idea of fun? Now I'm not going to say I didn't have fun while I'm drinking, but I'm, also can't say I haven't had fun while being sober. So why does one weigh more than the other, even though one is more is healthier for me? It's like a catch-22. But yeah, that's something that I realized. That's something that I struggled with, like the FOMO thing, which was interesting. It's been interesting. And finally, number 10, time fucking flies, man. This year flew the fuck by. And it's crazy. And I've been present the entire time. Uh, but I can say that it's been such a year of growth for me. I've always wanted to have a year of growth, a year of yes, a year of whatever change. And I did not re- think it was going to come by the way of this, but it did. And I can't say that I haven't had my hard knocks and my struggles and my disappointments and my hurt. But I've also had a lot of laughter, a lot of love a lot of support from the most interesting of places and from the most unexpected people, even people that I've met recently, like in a month or so that have been like, I'm all about your podcast. I'm going to write a review. Like, are you want to go, you want to do the same? Like, <laughs> like the people that I've met, you know, that are all in this healing and your body and 
acceptance and love and being just open and free and kind and smart. And it's been amazing at the same time. So it's been crazy. And I haven't been so accomplished and so dedicated and so driven ever in my life for a consistent period of time. Like my body, I haven't lost as much weight as I thought I would have, but I'm okay with it. And I can honestly 100% say that. And I love the person that I'm becoming and I love who I am now. And I wouldn't have been able to say that a year ago, for sure. I wouldn't have been able to look at myself and and take pictures of myself, like of the amount of self-portraits and shit that I've done. The shout out to the people on my IG who follow me on my photo Instagram because they have seen me close-ups, half naked, naked, like from every angle and my good shots, bad shots, whatever shots. And then, you know, of course, mixed in with like things that I see around the places that I go. But, you know, I would never have done that. I wouldn't have submitted my writing. I wouldn't have pushed myself think of other ideas. I wouldn't have started this podcast. I always say that. Like, I wouldn't have started this podcast. No, I would have always talked myself out of it. And then, of course, like, all this this dance thing that I'm into, expressing myself through dance and really getting into it. And I actually, to close, I went to New Orleans and I went to a central workshop for that reason, just to hang out, because I love New Orleans. I think if I were ever to move back to the South, I think I would probably settle in NOLA love it there. And then I came back and I went to a dance workshop. Um, another one about like sensual dance workshop chair type thing with one of my dance teachers that I like to support. She's kind of like a mentor when it comes to movement. She's lovely. Um, her name is Sierra Adair. You should look her up on Instagram. Up her Instagram. And I'm going to have her on the podcast eventually too. But anyway, I went to give her a hug before I left. And I was just going to say, hey, you know, I'll see you when I see you when you're back here. And she was like, yo, I just want to say that I love seeing this expression or your growth and your vulnerability. You bring so much to the rooms that you're in and you help people free themselves when they're in class. Just by." And I was like, what? <laughs> I was t- taken aback because I was not expecting that at all because I was like I was just saying bye and like you know it was a good time and thank you you know which of course is the stuff that I meant but you know and then she just said all that stuff and I was like holy shit you know that's cool and I've been meeting a lot of people that would have been saying similar to me so it's nice to feel seen I guess is the way I think there's a lot of strength in that and that's cool so yeah those are the top 10 things I've learned during my 10 months in sobriety I'll quickly go through the 10. So number one is stopping drinking was the easy part. Number two, once I was past the detox hump, um, I ran right into the pink cloud of sobriety, which is about all the good positive feelings. But I did not stay there, which runs into number three. Your feelings will come back when you least expect it. You kind of just got to have to go through it and not run from it. A lot of relapses happen around this time. But if you stay strong... You know, the only way out is through. That's what I like to say. It's one of my mantras for the year. And number four, you will need support. If you feel supported, you will need more, and that's okay. That's something that I had to come to terms with. 
Number five, triggers can hit you at any time and anywhere. Trust and believe that. Number six, honesty was a game changer. Discovering I had values was huge and something that I'm so thankful for. Number seven, boundaries are also a thing for me. And I also learned that not everyone will respond to them, but they are still there. Number eight, you will lose people, or should I say people lost me? And as much as it sucks, it will all work itself out in the long run. That's what I like to tell myself or I'm telling myself. Um, Number nine, you will feel like you're boring because you're used to being in chaotic numbness. So FOMO happened, but you know, working through it. And number 10, time fucking flies. But, you know, in 10 months, accomplished a hell of a lot. And I'm so happy and blessed to be able to say that. And I'm so thankful for my family and friends who have seen me through this transition and transformation in my life. I They mean the world to me. I hope you guys know that. So thank you. Longer episode than most. Sorry about that. I hope that you learned or gleaned something from my top 10. If you have any questions about anything, always feel free to reach out to me, email, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on all platforms. If this was an awesome episode for you, I would love if you rate it on all those podcasting platforms. Otherwise, until next time, have a great one, my friends. Talk soon. Bye.